Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. Are you excited? Are you well? Wonderful. This morning we are going to continue. It's the third part of what was a very short little series, something of a prophetic statement of where we are as a community as we step into this new story of planting into the city. But I felt like God wasn't just wanting to do it on a macro level with us as a church. Sometimes that's easier. He wanted to do it with us on a level of our lives, our stories, individual stories, uh, where he's calling his people and he's taken them out. We see the story of them coming out of slavery, coming out of chains, coming out of bondage to Pharaoh. He takes them into the wilderness, but his intention was never for them to stay there, never for them to remain there forever. He wanted to take them on a journey of knowing him more, trusting him, Stepping into the more that he had for them, and in that journey, then stepping into this promised land which had been poured out for them. He'd partitioned that land for his people. He had a story, and, and they got stuck in the middle. And we spoke about last week about getting stuck in the slow lounge where it seems comfortable, it seems good, but it's ultimately not the journey and the destination God's called for us. That's the journey we are on about. I want to read that scripture one more time Deuteronomy 1, verse 5. East of the Jordan, in the territory of Moab, Moses began to expound this law, saying, The Lord our God said to us at Horeb, You have stayed long enough at this mountain. Break camp and advance into the hill country of the Amorites. Go to all the neighboring peoples in the Arabah, in the mountains, in the western foothills, in the Negev, and along the coast, to the land of the Canaanites, and to Lebanon. As far as the great river, the Euphrates, see, I have given you this land. Go in and take possession of this land. The land swore he would give to your forefathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and to the descendants. I want to show you a map of this land that he was calling them to. As he gives this instruction, it wasn't a suggestion. It wasn't a negotiation. It was an instruction from the same God who had brought them out of slavery, done the plagues, the wonders. He, he had brought them out of slavery. He'd opened up a sea. Who knows if you were standing at the edge of a sea and a sea opened up and you walked through it. Whoever did that is the boss. Anyone else? I, I, would, be, I would be amazed if someone parted my bath. If they just, I would be like, wow, they walked through a sea. And then that same God who allowed them to walk through was the one they chose not to trust when he said, actually, take possession of the land. Go in. But this is the land. It's not a huge piece of territory, actually. It's a spectacular piece of land that has so much history and has been fought for for generation after generation. And the challenge wasn't how good the land was. The challenge wasn't how big the fruit was. All that was brilliant. The challenge was it already had occupants. And those occupants looked like these guys, the Hittites, uh, the, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, and the Jebusites, and all the other ites. Actually, a number of them are mentioned here. But as the challenge comes, he, he speaks, and these spies go into the land, and they come back with the report. And the first report is, it's amazing there. As you say, there is a land flowing with milk and honey. As you say, the fruit is humongous. But there are all these guys there, and their first response is fear. And then they begin to name all what was going on there. I want to tell you that this journey from wilderness to the promised land is not some ethereal journey, and I'm saying you need to go on a journey and buy a round-the-world ticket to some land. For them, it was a journey as God was painting a picture and calling His people to more. For us, it's a journey of our hearts, primarily. And I want to speak this morning as we open up who these guys were, 
to the Israelite people more than just an enemy and an opposition. They were battles that God wanted them to overcome. He wanted them to face these massive challenges. But the first thing is in the wilderness, God's people were survivors. They were happy with the just enough. They were happy with the just enough food and just enough water from a rock. They were happy with the just enough. God is good and he's good to give us just enough. And God's saying, now I want to move you to a land where you walk in sonship, where you understand that I'm not some distant far God who can give you just enough. Because we live in a world where we settle for just enough. He says, now I want to move you. And this is not some prosperity message. This is not some, this is the call of every son and daughter of God that there's a journey where you weren't just passing through anymore. You're occupying land. You're taking territory. You're becoming fruitful in a fruitful land. God's got this journey for every son and daughter of the living God. Second of all, the journey through the wilderness was a journey of preparation. He was teaching them that on the other side of following him, and as the cloud moved and the fire moved, they would follow him. He was teaching them and preparing them for something greater. The challenge is we can't stay in a preparation zone forever. I never went to the army, but I can't imagine 45 years of army training would have been great. I'd imagine someone eventually would have gone, I need to do something. Give me a tank or something. Those guys would cause more chaos than good. This was a preparation space. It was never meant to be their destination. And on the other side, it's no longer preparation. They are called to occupy land, to take occupation. You know, the challenge is it's often easier to win wars than to occupy their land after a war. We've seen that in history. Big nations and armies can win wars and take lands. It's not always that easy to occupy the land and bring freedom and peace in that land. And yet that is the mandate of sons and daughters of the living God. It's your mandate and it's my mandate to occupy this land, to make our presence felt in a way that we bring change and revelation of God in the way that we live our lives, in the way that sometimes some are sowing seed and some are harvesting. We're called to occupy land. I'll also say that the wilderness was a land of miracles, of provision. God provided water from a rock. Who loves provision? That God is a provider. I love that idea. It's not just an idea. It's a revelation. It's, a, it's the reality of our lives. God is a provider. But in the wilderness, God is a provider of miracles, of provision. The promised land is a land of miracles. Where we understand that in every area of life, not just provision, in every area of life, there is a miracle-working, wonder-working, way-making God who keeps moving his power, who keeps doing his stories, who keeps transforming lives, who keeps healing bodies. He does miracles. He's a God who doesn't just do wonders. He's a God who we need to understand wants to do wonders in and through our stories. He wants to do wonders through our stories. It was the biggest challenge of the Israelite people is they knew him as a God of wonders, the plagues, the, the sea, the provision of the food. They knew him as a God of wonders. They just struggled to believe he would do wonders through them. And I'm telling you, church, We get stuck there too. I want to speak this morning about the enemy within. See, because I believe these promises that God has and the promised land God takes each of us to and the journey he takes us to in that, there are these enemies to fight. These are the enemies they had to fight. And this is Deuteronomy 7 detailing out the battle later on and the fight they had to fight. When the Lord your God brings you into the land you are entering to possess and drives out before you many nations, the Hittites, The Girgashites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites, seven nations larger and stronger than you, 
And when the Lord your God has delivered them over to you, and you have defeated them. How cool is that? When he has delivered them over to you, and you have defeated them. See, there's a, there's a fight. Someone's told the church that there's no fight. Come to Jesus, there's no fight. No, there's a fight. He's handed them over, but we are called to defeat them. He says, then you must destroy them totally. Make no treaty with them and show them no mercy. Do not intermarry with them. Do not give them your daughters to their sons or take their, da- their daughters for your sons. For they will turn your children away from following me to serve other gods. And the Lord's anger will burn against you and will quickly destroy you. That is what you are to do with them. Break down their altars, smash their sacred stones, cut down their Asherah poles, and burn their idols in the fire. For you are people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the peoples on the face of the earth to be his people, his treasured possession. Welcome to church. We are going to go, no, we're not. Just relax. But what does it say? It says they're bigger and stronger. All seven of them. Not one or two of them. All seven of these enemies are bigger and stronger than you. But God will bring you to them, and you are called to defeat and destroy them. There will be no treaties, no mercy, no marriages. And you'll break down the worship of these enemies. See, the ancient people had simple approaches to naming people groups or people. They would often call people by obvious personality traits or their character, their traditions, or their occupation. So when you look at these Hittites, Perizzites, Jebusites, all these guys, behind their name is meaning and understanding of a meaning. And when we start to look at that meaning, I promise you we'll start to see that enemy is not sometimes over there, which we like to think. Most of the time it's in here. The first one mentioned are the Hittites. They're the enemy of fear. The name literally means terror. Wherever they went, their strategy wasn't just to defeat the enemy. They would have strategies of building terror within their enemy. And before the battle, their enemy was shaking in their boots, running away. That was their battle strategy. They would put heads on poles. They would do all the most gruesome stuff you could think so that fear would come upon the enemy. So the enemy would either not invade them or then when they invaded their enemy, they could take that land. They were in this land and... It's a fierce nation that brought terror and fear into the hearts of the enemies. Why do you think when God ultimately spoke to Joshua and told him to take the land so many times, he had to say, be strong and courageous? Because of fear. I want to say to you this morning, if you've got a poor marriage, be strong and courageous. So often sit in meetings and marriages and and even friendships where relationships have gone sour and simple conversations have not been able to have because of fear. What would the implications of it be? Now, I want to tell you, God is calling you to more, which means battles have to be fought and fear has to be overcome because this enemy meets you every time. It meets every one of us every time. It paralyzes strong men. It weakens warriors. It takes seasoned generals who fought battles to stay in their camps and not leave. It causes Christians to stay in the wilderness. Because crossing another river or fighting another battle might seem too much. The second group of people they encountered were the Gergeshites. I wouldn't recommend that one as a surname either. And these people, they they were the dwellers of the clay. That's what it meant. It meant the dwellers of the marsh compromise or living in the gray areas. 
They, they didn't build. They, they, they spent their life calling in, in living in the gray areas, in the marsh. And their tactic was calling their enemy to compromise. They would go and negotiate. And every battle was this negotiation as they would go in and it would cause apathy inside of their opponents. And that apathy was the reason they would win. See, if you're going to go into battle, you've got to understand the enemy's strategies. Just go look at a Springbok rugby team that picks the biggest men in the world. You know they're going to run at you. You're not clueless about that. So you prepare yourself for that. God's people have to understand that our enemies have strategies that they've used for generation after generation. And one of them is calling us to compromise that leads to what? Apathy. What nearly derailed David's story? He's sitting on a balcony, taking in the view while his army were fighting. Where should he have been? He should have been on the front lines leading his army as he had always done. But apathy and compromise has crept into his heart. So he sat in a balcony and saw Bathsheba. See, opportunity will arise when apathetic hearts deliver our vision. And God's saying, church, apathy, I want to shake out of you. What about the Amorites? This, they, the Amorites had made their home in the tops of the mountains, and they were the mountain people. And up there, they'd put these different fortitudes all over the, not fortitudes, forts, castles. I'm going to go with that one. Um, I'm looking at Quentin. He can't help me. The word Amori has to do with a need for publicity. So at the center of their nerd is the word, I really do need water right now. It's going dry in here. It's been going dry for a while, actually. The word amori has to do with a need for publicity. So think about our world. The need to be known. The need to be thought of highly. The need to be understood that living this big life and high in the mountaintops was something to be esteemed. One of the greatest enemies to any God's story is that God would not be on his throne, that man would take that place. Psalm 94 verse 4, self and God cannot both sit on the throne. The workers of iniquity boast in themselves. Jeremiah 9 verse 24, let him who glory, glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me. That I am the Lord. See, they're these enemies. That all of us, whether it is a journey in my marriage, whether it's a journey into the more of God has for me, whether it's a stepping into the things I know God has placed in my life, as we all have these dreams and desires and passions, we are going to face the enemies of fear. We are going to face the enemies of compromise and apathy. And we are going to face the enemy that I love to put myself on a throne. Man always has. Somehow you start seeing the story a little different. That there's not the some enemy that might come to you the door one day. These are the enemies that have always been at the door. Since the day Jesus came into our life, it's the enemies that people are facing today. Jesus gets baptized. What's the very next situation? It says the Spirit of the Lord leads him into the wilderness to be tempted. Please don't think there's no enemies or temptation or challenge or trial. When our king models for us a victory story, he says, I want you to go through journeys. You're going to face some enemies, and I want you to destroy them in your life and your story. And then what happens is the kingdom of God starts advancing. Destroy some of these things in your marriage, the kingdom of God's advancing. Destroy them in your business. What about the Canaanites? Well, they literally means um, merchants who humiliate. 
They were successful people. Their land was on the, on the shoreline. They had ports coming in. There was lots of trade. There was synchronicity of different, um, of different cultures coming into that story. And in the mix of all that mess was financial wealth and the promise of financial happiness. Maybe it's called materialism. Maybe that's a king of our world and a God in our story and an enemy at our door. And maybe as we read these stories, we so glibly glib over, and every week we've read the enemies as some distant, far-off nation we might encounter one day. But I'm telling you, these are in our face, and these victories need to be won every day. Matthew 6, verse 24, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. So I think sometimes what happens is we make the picture like the Israelites did, well, God's providing in the desert. So God is gracious. He's a provider. When God's saying, I want to take you beyond just the fact that God is a provider, I want to tell you about the God who is Lord of all, who brings you to a land flowing of milk and honey, far greater than just water from a rock. I need you to face the enemy of materialism because he's not some distant off enemy hiding in the hills. He's at your door. He's at my door. I used to joke with Candace, I used to fly a lot up to Joburg as part of my previous work. And um, I, if I stayed in Joburg one day, just because Joburg's got energy and guys are running, so careers are running. If I was up there more than three days, I'd come home saying, I probably, I think I need a new car. It's just like, because that city's got this pumping energy and people are moving forward and everyone's advancing. And if you're not advancing, you're being left behind. And I'm telling you, it's exciting, it's attractive, it's dangerous. If we allow it to drive our stories forward. What about the Perizzites? And this tribe was a roaming tribe. They didn't bother to build buildings. They didn't bother to build walls. They didn't bother to protect themselves. They just moved around and they would poach and they would take. And they had no disciplines of building all those things. These guys delighted and had an inheritance in, in, in chaos. And they were an undisciplined tribe. Renownedly undisciplined. So they didn't build and they didn't lay down. They would just steal from others. I would say that one of the enemies at our doors that limits the church is the enemy of undiscipline. It's an enemy in my life. I don't have many regrets in life. One of them is that I encountered Jesus at a very young age. And he, I knew what he spoke. And he said, I want you to learn my word, know my word, and know my ways. See, you can't just choose one or the other. I just got God's spirit so I know his ways and he'll teach me or I've just got his word no you need his word and his ways so discipline brings me to the delight of enjoying his word maybe you're saying it's very hard it's hard I'm not a good reader I, I struggle to sit welcome to my world I noticed how many doves fly past that window while preaching to you that's my world but he says, actually, behind the discipline, there will be a delight. And on the other side, I need you to know my ways. Discipline yourself in my ways and watch as I will bring my glory in your life. I'm just presenting to you these amazing enemies. What about the Hivites? They claimed to offer a good life, and it was all in the lifestyle. And if you followed their lifestyle, the philosophies of their life, you would never get towards a life that brings joy and freedom. And I would tell you that the Hivites present this enemy of deception. That if you pursue the lifestyle and follow the philosophies, there will be a happy ending at the end of that story, and it's a lie. It's a seductress. 
in our story. And I'm, everyone's looking at me very seriously. But my job is to teach the Word of God and to show us what God has done and how he's, God has brought, he's brought His people through. And He's brought His people through because He wants to take them into something that He's called us to occupy and to occupy land. You've got to get what was occupying out and you've got to allow God to get in there. And in the territory of my heart, He wants to occupy it. And He wants to dislodge and get out that which has taken territory in my heart. Things like materialism, things like fear, and things like deception and pursuit of lifestyle. So he presents us, and he took his people through the defeat of enemies because he needed them to overcome all of them. And the last one, the Jebusites, the enemy of discouragement or being overwhelmed. Jebusite literally means the trodden on or the down tramplers, the verb meaning to trample down. Ever felt trodden on? discouraged. That enemy used skill and ability to, to dra- dra- take God's people and take the energy out of them. What happened to those 10 spies who went in full of courage, saw the, uh, the Anak's descendants and went, mm, we're just like grasshoppers. Just. They were discouraged. And discouragement and fear led them to shrink back. Pull back, get smaller. I had a little grasshopper moment on Wednesday, to be brutally honest. What are we doing planting a church in the city? I know personally know of three that have just closed down. Why would you plant a church now? Why would you trust God for that now? Why, why, why? Had a little grasshopper moment, even driving and sitting. Yes, these buildings are big. I also got bucks here. It's intimidating. They don't need another church. To be honest, as I opened the meeting and welcomed everywhere, there was still a grasshopper inside. But then we started to worship Jesus. And then I was reminded that none of this is my hands or my work at all. It's always only ever been His. It's always only ever been His victory. In your story and my story. So I'm reminded of that when I worship Him. And I want to say today, as we navigate this series, and I want to provoke steps of faith like these, I want to say it doesn't take all seven to keep people out of the promises of God. It doesn't take all seven to keep your marriage out of the fullness that God gives, or your relationships, or your freedom of walking free from addictions or challenges. It doesn't take all seven. It actually just takes one. And maybe for you, that fear is, that one is fear. Maybe for you that one is apathy. And apathy has always been at the door. And you're the guy who's procrastinated about putting a post on Facebook about procrastination, but you've just never done it. But that's in every area of your life. And one day I will read the word. One day I will take a faith step. One day I'll trust God with my finances, my health, my family, my future. One day I will. When God does this and God says, I've done it 17 times, you're still sitting there on your little heap. What about deception and the pursuit of lifestyle? If I just get this, then God be glorified. No, you're still in a desert and you're thanking God for manna from heaven and water from a rock. And he's got a land flowing with milk and honey. And the promises of John 10.10 aren't some random promises for some hyper-excited Christian who's really passionate. The promises of 10.10 are for the sons and daughters of the living God. And God wants to rip apathy out of us and allow passion to flow again. And Bunty doesn't just get up and go, come on, because that's his way of leading worship. Bunty gets up and goes, come on, because he's seen God do mighty works. 
And whether there's lights on or not, like Hoppus ate this morning, he still goes, come on, because he's calling people to worship the living God, to see him glorified and lifted high. And all other gods who lay themselves up as something and some promise of eternal whatever begin to crumble. Allow passion to stir in your heart. Passion moves us. Passion takes us forward. Passion pulls us out of the enemy of fear and his shouting voice. Passion pulls us, a passion for Jesus pulls us out of all these realms. And when I look at Joshua, who led God's people out, he had bravery. He stood up and he, he, he stood against the lies of the enemy and he told his people on here in integrity. He just promised and followed the promised word of God. What has God said? Do that. People are waiting for new strategies of God because they didn't like the last three decades. Do what God said. Maybe what God has told you, get baptized. Then get baptized today, right now. I will baptize you in my fancy clothes straight at the end of the service. I promise you. But don't waste another day because you're allowing the enemy to take territory and occupy the land you are called to occupy. God's called us to great things. I want to tell you. And the result of Joshua's story Joshua took all these royal cities and their kings and put them to the sword. He totally destroyed them as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded. For Maureen, at 78 years old, she's won her biggest battle. She's found life and love in the arms of Jesus. At a time that most people would crumble and want to actually die, she found life. And Paul lived an amazing life, the Apostle Paul. And he wrote this at the end of it at 2 Timothy. He said, I've fought the good fight. I have finished the race. Stop lying to yourself. There's no fight. There's a fight. And the fight's for here. The territory and the occupied land is this. That map I put on there, that's your heart. It says, I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to those who have longed for his appearance. See, this guy's advertisement for Christianity, whipped five times, 39 times each time, stranded on beaches, shipwrecked, beaten, stoned more than once, chased out of cities. Jesus! That's a crusade for you right there. Sign up for this life. But that's how he finished. See, we can do amazing things and still be in the wilderness. We can see amazing things and still be stuck in the wilderness. Because God wants us to defeat some enemies. And I'm telling you, it starts in His Word, pursuing His ways, and it starts with picking up the ten pegs and moving. Why do we ask sometimes people just to come out of their stairs, come to the front? Because I know miracles start to happen when people start to move. It's just what happens. Because God responds to faith, even mustard seed faith. You know, faith doesn't have to be big. It's just mustard seed faith. And you plant it, it spreads. I've never seen it myself, but I've studied it. Small ironic joke. Cattle don't eat mustard because they get sick, but yet it tastes great on beef. <laughs> just saying. I didn't. <laughs> that has nothing to do with the moment. Just a thought. I learned that this week. Don't know why I did say that. But it's just, it's just a mustard seed of faith. Will you move? 
If you want to be baptized right now, if you haven't been baptized, make the decision now. You don't need a three-week course. You just need to make a decision for Jesus. I'll baptize you right now after the service. Because today starts a victory journey, defeating enemies. Can we stand together? We just felt to do this three-week series, but it's much more than the plant in the city. Although that's exciting, it's about the territory of my heart and your heart. Because God wants to do wonders through his people. Can you say this? God wants to do wonders through me. And I'll tell you what's happened in a split second. The enemy started to shout. And you've started to disqualify, and you've started to allow the enemy to say why he shouldn't. And you've been reminded already by the accuser of what you did yesterday that should disqualify you. And you've been reminded of the state of your marriage or the state of your business. Or the Can you say with me, God wants to do wonders through me. It's the grace of God at play. Stop trying to work it out and trust him. Stop trying to figure it out and navigate the path you can't. See your enemy, hear the voice of God, and destroy him by trusting that voice. Can we close our eyes, please? Right now, God, I pray. Let us break camp today and defeat enemies, God. I pray where the accusing voice of fear has shouted long enough. Where the cry of compromise has looked so attractive for so long. And apathy has riddled the land of our hearts. I pray, come, Spirit of God, and move us now. We repent and we respond to your word right now. Call us again, God. Move us again. Right now, as I read out this list of enemies at the door, that we're enemies at the door of God's people. Raise your hands if this is an enemy of yours. Fear, apathy, pride, materialism, lack of discipline, deception, discouragement. Raise your hands if you need victory in any area. I pray right now, Spirit of God, you are in this house. You are the way maker, the miracle worker, the freedom bringer. And you're also the one who brings our enemies before us so we can destroy them. That is what your word shows us. And we stand here this morning with no arrogance in our hearts, but all glory to the King of kings and say, God, give us victory today. Give men and women victory today. Give marriages victory today. Give the call upon men and women's lives victory today. Give decisions for righteousness and purity victory today, God. Let enemies be silenced. Let fear be silenced. Let compromise be silenced. Let lifestyle and the, the, the idols of our world be silenced today as we, your people, respond. We want to see the wonders that you will do through our time, through us, Lord, in this generation. We don't want to drag another generation through a desert needlessly, Lord. We want to hear your voice and move when you move. So today we respond in faith.
All we can bring, mustard seeds of faith, God. I respond today with a mustard seed of faith and say, God, be God in my life. God, be the loudest voice, be the highest authority in my life. You are the pioneer and perfecter of this faith. So I say, God, have your way. Have your way. Have your way. And I pray strength to those who need to have conversations. Strength to those who need to make decisions today. And I say, as God said to Joshua, be strong and courageous, for God is with you. Be strong and courageous. Is there anyone who wants to be baptized this morning? Anyone not been baptized and you're saying, actually, I'll be baptized? Anyone? That's fine. If you want to be baptized afterwards, obviously, I'll be here as well. God is moving us. I'm not trying to excite you. I'm trying to allow you to see God, the God of miracles who wants to do miracles through you. Have an amazing, amazing week.